I got on the radio the other night and I I preached and talked for over two and a half hours on the ham radio going all over the world and one of the things I was doing is exactly what I'm doing right here they loved this church history they had no idea not an inkling about it. if you go to college or in high school they're going to tell you the history of the Catholic Church they're not going to tell you church history now we're reviewing the last few classes we're reviewing and now we're on page 191 in volume one of John T. Christian's book. And I'm going back and reviewing this because I did a lot of this by memory, which I do remember this. But I think it sinks in better, and I think Sharon will agree with that, when you read it. When you read it, it sinks in tremendously. Now, Let's go here to page 100 and, well, let's go back to page 190. The history of the Baptists in England in the times of Henry VIII is written in blood. He had scarcely come to the throne before proceedings were begun against him and they were persecuted to the death. The chief agent of the king in those persecutions was William Warham, Archbishop of Canterbury. There appeared before him at the mansion at Knoll in May the 2nd, 1511, a number of persons. Then I say, says Crosby, this is Crosby's history of the English Baptists, it, and I've got that over there also. It is evident that they were opposers of infant baptism at that time. Now remember that the Church of England and even the Catholic Church was mostly baptizing by immersion. The Catholic Church and and the Catholic Church, Henry VIII was a Catholic. Henry VIII was baptized by immersion. So immersion is a later fad. I'm not immersion, but uh, sprinkling and pouring is a later fad. Didn't go back beyond this time. They called it a fusion before this. Then says Crosby, it is evident that they were opposed to infant baptism at that time, and the rise of the Baptists is not such as late date as some would have it. And, they, and I had some people say as he started in 1611, the Free Will Baptists started in 1611, not Baptists. That in the sacrament of the altar is not the body of Christ, but material bread. This is what they said. They were required to renounce this. That the sacrament of the altar is not the body of Christ, but the material bread. That the sacrament of baptism and confirmation are not necessary or profitable for men's souls. That the confession of sins ought to be made to a priest. That there is no more power given by God to a priest than a layman that the solemnization of matrimony by a priest is not profitable or necessary for the well of men's souls. In other words, they did not believe in legal marriages. That the sacrament of extreme unction is not profitable or necessary to a man's soul. That the pilgrimages to holy and devout places be not profitable, neither meritorious for a man's soul that the images of saints are not to be worshipped, that a man should pray 
to no saint only to God that holy water and holy bread be not the better after the benediction made by the priest than before and this is Vernon's history of the reformation of the Church of England now you remember the, what the Church of England changed Henry VIII just wanted to marry Mary Boland he, she uh, or he wanted to marry her and the Catholic uh, Pope wouldn't do that, so he just confiscated all the property in in England that was a Catholic church and set up his own religion, the Church of England. And he would be the head of that religion and the Archbishop of Canterbury would be underneath him. Basically, they kept all the same doc dogmas and doc doctrines. All were punished, said Alice Graville, who had been a Baptist for 28 years was condemned to death. Simon Fish and James Bainham in the year 1525 belonged to the Baptist church located in Bow Lane. Fish was a theologian and a pamphleteer, in other words, a writer. He was educated at Oxford, came to London, and entered Gray's Inn about 1525. He was denounced as a damnable heretic and in 51 died of the plague. His wife, who was suspected of heresy, married Bainham, who was burnt for heresy in 1532. He was a lawyer of high character, and Burnett says that for true generosity, he was an example to, his, to the age in which he lived. That is truly a remarkable testimony. Coming, as it were, from the Bishop of Church of England, under the examination, he said that the truly truth of the Holy Scriptures was never those 800 years past so plainly, expressly declared to the people as it had laid down within the last six years. He demanded that only believers should be baptized in, in the, this militant church. Fox's Book of Martyrs. There was then an organized Baptist church in London in the practice of believers' immersion in the year 1525. He died of a triumphant death at the stake, April the 20th, 1532, in Smithfield. The law against heretics was strengthened, 1534 and 5. The most alarming letters were sent to the England by the English foreign officials as to the insubordination of Anabaptists on the continent. Henry VIII was already interested in the extermination of the Baptist, and his zeal extended to foreign lands. He extended his help to exterminating the Baptist in Germany. The interest of the king was not confined to Germany. In the same year, a royal proclamation was issued in which it said that many strangers are coming into this realm who, though they were baptized in their infancy, yet have contempt for the holy sacrament of baptism, rebaptizing themselves, they are ordered to depart out of the they are ordered to depart out of the realm within twelve days under pain of death. They did not return to the continent and continued under the royal uh, inspection. It says here, the law was soon placed into operation. The old uh, Chronicler Stowe in A.D. 1533 relates the following details of this.
the 25th day of May. We're in the St. Paul's Church, London, examined 19 men. The word examined means torture them. 19 men and 6 women born in Holland whose opinions were first that Christ is, is not two natures, God and man. Secondly, that Christ took neither flesh nor blood of the Virgin Mary. Thirdly, that the children born of infidels may be saved. Fourthly, that the baptism of children is of none effect. Fifthly, that the sacrament of Christ's body is but bread alone. Sixthly, that he who after baptism sins willingly, sins deadly, and cannot be saved. Fourteen of them were condemned. A man and a woman were burnt at the Smithfield. The other twelve of them were sent to other towns and were burned in those towns as as a witness, basically, to the all people. It's supposed to be scare tactics, okay? Terrorists. Crude, an English historian, gives a beautiful tribute to their fidelity. The details are all gone. Their names are gone. Poor Hollanders they were, and that is all. Scarcely the fact seems worth mentioning, so shortly it is told in the passing paragraph. For them, no Europe was aggregated. No courts were ordered in mourning. No papal hearts trembled with indignation. At their truth, or at their death, the world looked, upon, looked on complacently, indifferent and exalting. Yet two, here, two out of the 25 poor men and women were found Fourteen, who by no terror of the stake or torture could be tempted to say that they believed what they did not believe. History has for them no word of praise. History is written by the victors, remember. Yet they too were not giving their blood in vain. Their lives might have been as useless as the lives of most of us. In their deaths, they assisted to pay the purchase money for the England's redeem, redemption and freedom. The burning of the Baptist caused profound sensation. It became a matter of court correspondence throughout Europe. One who has not studied the subject in the light of recent, recent revealed facts cannot appreciate the large place the Baptists occupied in the public mind in the 16th century, the 1500s. But the burnings continued to the end of the reign of this king. That's Henry VIII. The Baptists died with the greatest fortitude. Of them, Latimer says, the Anabaptists that were burnt here in diverse towns in England, as I have heard of credible men, I saw them not myself, went to their death, even intrepid, as ye will say, without any fear in the world. Cheerfully, well, let them go. The Landgrave of Hesse, in examining certain Baptists in Germany, found letters in their hands in regard to England. By the way, everything that they say about these people that they believe is not true. Everything that they wrote down that they believed and practiced is not true. They interpreted what they said, and they did not put down the facts. 
The letter showed that the errors of the sect daily spread in England. He wrote a violent letter to Henry and warned him against the Anabaptists. October 1538, the king appointed commission composed of Thomas Kramer, there's a famous name, and the Archbishop Canterbury as president with other distinguished men to persecute the Anabaptists. The result was the books of the Anabaptists were burnt wherever they were found, and the books of the Anabaptists are basically the Bible. On November the 16th, following the king, issued a proclamation to the effect that none were to sell or print any books of scripture without the supervision of the king. Now go back here now. We're in 1500s. You go back over here. We have the Inquisition in 1231. The Bible is written in 1229. And here we're talking about the same people. The Church of England. The king issued a proclamation to the effect that none were to sell or print any books of scripture without the supervision of the king. One of the councils or a bishop, sacramentarians, the Anabaptists, and the like who sell books of false doctrine are to be detected to the king of privy council. All strangers who lately rebaptized themselves were to be ordered by the by the kingdom, and some Baptists were burnt at the stake. Now I've said this many times, what I'm about to read. The thoughtful reader has doubtless frequently asked how many Baptists were in England in the reign of Henry VIII. And his daughter, Mary Queen of Scots, or Bloody Mary, killed many Baptists also over the same thing. The question can only be approximate to be answered. They were probably more Baptists there in the period under, under survey than were in America. At the beginning of the Revolutionary War, Ammonius, under date of November the 8th, 1531, writes that Erasmus of the great numbers of the Anabaptists in England. He says it is not astonishing that wood is so dear, so scarce, and scarce that the heretics cause many, so many holocausts, and yet their numbers grow. In other words, they are being burned. They don't have enough wood to heat their homes or to cook their food in England because they're burning Baptist. Mm. Brewer, letters, of pa letters from Papers of Henry VIII, Volume 1, 285. Erasmus replied that Ammonius has reason to be angry with the heretics for increasing the price of fuel for the coming winter. It was their fault that they had to burn them. It was their own fault they had to be burned. This is a horrible jesting. It was regarded as a great feat to discover and break up a bed of snakes, as their meetings were called. Erasmus, under the date of February 28, 1528, wrote to Moore, the heresy of the Anabaptists is much more widely diffused than anyone suspects. The Bishop of Fanza, June the 8th, 1535, wrote to M. Ambrogio, 
that the Anabaptists already had a firm foothold in England. Now remember, the Baptists in England go all the way back to Patrick, what is the Catholics call St. Patrick. There was Baptist churches then, and he went into Ireland, was first captured and as a prisoner and a slave, and then he went back as a missionary and established 365 churches and seminaries and baptized over 100,000 people. Not only that, he ordained in every church elders and deacons. And that church that sent him out was in Great Britain at that time, or England. Hackett, an English official, places their number at 6,000 and daily increases. Why did Baptists increase? Because of the preaching of the Word of God. Why am I a Baptist? First of all, I study the Word of God, and, I, and secondly, I study history. Said that the king's justice and amiable and good in treating toward his subjects would uh, preserve the realm against all adversary, and he marveled that those whose eyesight was so sharp as to see the fire that burns before their own doors and the commotion of that new sect of rebaptizers, which now numbers 6,000 and a daily increasing. One town had more than 500 Baptists in it. Latimer, who was contemporary, says of that number, I should have told you of a certain sect, the margin says that they were Anabaptists, of heretics that spoke against the order and the doctrine, and they have no magistrates or judges on earth. <clears throat> Here I have to tell you what I have heard of late. By the relation of a credible persons and worshipful man of a town in this realm in England that hath above 500 heretics of this erroneous opinion in it. Latimer's Sermons, Volume 5, page 151, the Parker Society. Petrus Tosius, under the date September the 1st, 1538, says, In England, the truly silently but widely is propagated and powerfully increases. Immersion was a universal rule of baptism in the reign of Henry VIII. Immersion, now, all of you pedo-baptists out there and sprinklers and pourers, all the way back to here now, the Catholic Church was still baptizing by immersion. There are two elaborate rituals of the Church of England in this period. The one is a declaration of the, of the ceremonies to the sacrament of baptism. Remember, Islam, I mean not Islam, but uh, Catholicism and, and the Church of England are the same. Basically, they believe the same things. When they, when they translated the 1611 version of the Bible, it says there you're baptized, Acts 2.38, for the remission of sins. But in the original language, it says you're baptized because of the remission of sins. But they believed in, the Church of England believed in baptismal regeneration. In 1537, the other society, Salisbury Liturgy, 1541, the last is regarded as some as the most sacred liturgy belonging to the Church of England. Both of these liturgies enforce immersion. Erasmus, writing from England in 1532, gives the English practice, and he says, We dip children all over in cold water. 
in a stone font. Every English monarch of the 16th century was immersed. Henry VIII and his elder brother Arthur, Elizabeth in 1532, and Edward in Edward VI in 1537 were all immersed. They baptized by baptism, real baptism. The form of baptism among the Baptists is equally clear. Simon Fish, who compelled to flee beyond the seas, while there he translated the old Baptist book, the sum of the Holy Scripture. The old Dutch book demanded that the immersion of the believer and denied infant baptism. It was printed in England in 1529. Through the next 50 years, many editions of the book appeared in England. Fish, the sum of the Holy Scriptures, British Museum. And then it says, the Arbor Proper Dialogues in Red May and Not Rolf. English reprints, 1871. It became the Baptist textbook next to the New Testament. They were editions of this book printed in England in 1547, 48, and 1550, the British Museum. There are copies of two editions of the Library of the University of Cambridge. All of these editions exhibit the same old language against the baptism of infant, infants and in favor of immersion of believers as the only act of baptism. The book was secretly published in the, in the face of greatest hostility and condemned by the decrees of councils and persistently circulated by the Baptists. The quaint and queer old church historian Fuller, in giving a reason for the coming of so many Dutch Baptists to England, also mentioned something of their doctrines and their practice of immersion and activity. By the way, you know, they were fleeing into England from Switzerland and all over because of John Calvin. The Baptists were persecuted by Calvin and Luther in Germany. They came to England because of persecution in the other lands. A match now being made up by the Lord Cromwell's controversy betwixt Henry VIII and Lady Anne of Claves. The Dutchmen flocked faster than formerly into England. Many of them had active souls, so that while their hands were busied about their manufactures, their heads were also beating about points of divinity. Hereof, they had many crude notions, too ignorant to manage themselves and too proud to, to crave the directions of others. Their minds had a by-stream of activity more than what sufficed to drive on the <coughs> vocation and this waste of their souls. They employed a needless speculation. <coughs> Got a little drink there. Hopefully, I can talk. Their minds had a by stream of activity more than what suffered to drive on their vocation, and this waste of their souls they employed in needless speculation, and soon after began to broach their strange opinions, being branded with the general name Anabaptist. These Anabaptists, for the main, are but Donatists that knew dipped. 
and this year their name appears in the English Chronicles, Fuller's Church of the History of Britain, Volume 2, page 27. Fuller was wrong in stating that these were the first Anabaptists who appeared in England. He was right, however, in declaring that they were in the practice of dipping. The Donatists knew dip, and the, in other words, dip again, that's what Anabaptists mean, and the allusion to the by-streams show, of course, that the Baptists were practicing dipping. The statement is incapable of any other construction. Fuller was born in 1609 and wrote his history in 1654. He was an eyewitness of much of the times through which the Baptists passed in their persecutions and in this account is particularly valuable. There is another author who lived only a short distance from Fuller and published a book one year after the appearance of Fuller's history. He also refers to the Donuts in connection with the Anabaptists. If you look up here, you go back in the Donatists, go way back, right over here. Here's 400 AD, and they're going back to that period of time, the Donatists right here, and they go all the way into England. They, they're also called Henricians. They're called uh, Waldenses in Germany. They're called uh, Paterines, Novatians, Puritans, the Cathari in different places. The fact that the Donuts seem to have been a current name by which the Baptists were called, what Fuller mentions in a figure of speech and this author states in plain words. He declares Anabaptists not only denied believers children uh, denied believers children's baptism as a Pelagian and Donatist did of old, but affirmed that dipping the whole body under water is necessary, that without it none are truly baptized. Daniel Featley, Doctor of Divinity, the opponent of the Baptist born in 1582 also declared that the Baptist of the reign of Henry VIII practiced dipping. Let the punishment bear upon it in the print of the sin. For as these sectaries drew one to another into their errors, so also into the gulf, and as they drowned men spiritually by rebaptizing them so profanely, profaning the holy sacrament, as also they were drowned corporally. In the year of our Lord, 1539, two Anabaptists were burnt beyond Southwark. The dippers dipped. It will be noticed that Fuller says that these Baptists were from Cleves. Were the Baptists in 1534 numerous? The Baptists of the Duke Dome practiced dipping in water. The practice of immersion is universal in the reign of Henry VIII. It was from the form of baptism that all parties, and, and there is no known testimony to the contrary, that the Church of England practiced immersion. The Catholics practiced immersion. The Baptists practice immersion. Immersion is baptism. In the reign of Henry the or Edward the Sixth, fifteen forty-seven to fifteen fifty-three, the laws against the Baptists were enforced, and two persons were burnt at the stake. In the reign, were Baptists. Others were safe, had the protection of the laws. Even criminals were pardoned. But to be a Baptist is a grave capital crime. 
the sterling young king, merciful to an astonishing degree, for his heart was peculiarly kind and tender, visited upon the Baptist a cruelty that reminded one of a wild beast. He was kind and, and, and merciful to everything but Baptist. The Baptists steadily increased in numbers. They were found in the court and among common people in the town and in the country. Bishop Burnett says they were many Anabaptists in many parts of England. Burnett, History of the Reformation, Volume 2, page 110. Halen says, and at the same time the Anabaptists who had kept themselves unto themselves in the king's time began to look broad and disperse their, their uh, dotagi, their doctrines. Bishop Fowler Short says, complaints have been brought to the council of the prevalence of the Anabaptists, to the clerk and progress of these opinions of commission was appointed. These references had to do with the Baptists throughout the country. Their numbers in London were very great. Bishop John Hooper wrote to Henry Bullinger under the date of July the 25th, 1549. The Anabaptist flock in this place, London, and give me much trouble. In 1550, Ridley was a bishop of London in that article to be in, inquired June, early June, the clergy were ordered to ascertain whether any speak against infant baptism, whether any of the Anabaptist sect or other use notoriously any unlawful or private ventricle of churches, whether they do use the doctrine of administration of sacraments, separating themselves from the rest of the parish. Here is a direct official statement that there were Baptist conventicles or churches in London. Some of these churches were notorious and some of them were private. Notorious means open. Private means hidden, underground. These churches do use doctrine and had the administration of the sacraments. That is, they baptized and observed the Lord's Supper and they were separated from, from the parish churches. That is to say, they were fully organized Baptist churches in London in the year 1550. The information is equally positive that there were Baptist churches in Kent. Bishop John Hooper, June 26, 1550, writes regarding the district as follows. That district is troubled with the frenzy of the Anabaptists more than any other part of the kingdom. There were such assemblies and churches in Kent and memorials, such or congregations were in the Feversham and Maidstone and Eththorn. The Baptists of Kent had a number of eminent ministers. Such was Cole of Feversham. Henry Hart began preaching in the, in the reign of Henry VIII. He was strict and holy in life, but hot in his opinions. He, with several others, were thrown into prison. Humphrey Middleton was another. When he was cast into prison, he said to the Archbishop, Well, Reverend, Ere pass what sentence you think fit upon us, but that you may not say that you were forewarned. I testify that you 
turn will be next. Accordingly, came to pass that upon the release of the Middleton, an archbishop was thrown into the prison. And another preacher in Kent was John Kemp, who was a great traveler abroad in Kent, and instructing and confirming gospelers. There is much important information in regard to the Baptist churches of Essex. There was an organization, organized Baptist church in Rockings, in Bocking, that is, also in Lansbourne manuscripts. The Bocking Baintree Church book, which is still in existence, carries the authentic records of the church for more than 200 years, but there was no question that the origin of the church dates back to the days of Edward VI. For this, our country of Essex, in which many of these libertarians, libertine, and Anabaptists are running in, in hoker moker, among the simple and ignorant people, to incite and move them to tumult and insurrection to magistrates and rulers of the realm. What they did is they just they just got converted and they were baptized, but to them they were defying the government. Whence I trust, if ye, were, if ye know them, ye will soon weed out of this country to the great good and quiet of the king's subjects of the same country and shire. Only two Baptists were burnt during the reign of, Henry, of Edward VI. Burnett says that they were two kinds of Anabaptists in the country. For the other sect of Anabaptists only, who only denied infant baptism, I find no severity used against them, but several books were written against them to which they wrote some answers. Burnett's History of the Reformation, Volume 2, page 112. The influence of John Calvin, Calvin had begun to be felt in England's English affairs. His books had appeared in translations in England. He was responsible in large measure for the demon and hate and fierce hostility which the Baptists of England had to be encountered. They had been run off, remember? He advised that the Anabaptists and Rectionists should be alike put to death. This is John Calvin now. He wrote a letter to Lord Protector Somerset. The translation was probably made by Archbishop Kramer. Calvin to the Protector Manuscripts Domestic Edward VI, 5, 1548. To the effect that these altogether deserve to be well punished by the sword. That means dead, killed. Seeing that they do conspire against God who have set him in his royal seat. This Calvin Luther, the Church of England Catholicism, did not believe in religious liberty. You would have no religious liberty in the world today if it hadn't been for Baptist. Period. The first to be burnt in the reign of of John was Kent, of Kent, who was probably a member of the church in Ithron, Evans' History of the English Baptist, Volume 172. She was a pious and worthy woman and a great reader of the scriptures. She was arrested in 1548 on the, on the charge of heresy, and she was burnt on April the 30th of the same year. The other Baptists who 
suffered martyrdom in the reign of George was George von Pair. He was a, a profession, a surgeon. He could not speak English and had to plead his case through an interpreter. Burnett said of his death, he suffered with great constancy of mind and kissed the stake and faggots who were to burn him. Of this pair I find a popish writer saying that he was a man of most wonderful strict life, that he used to eat not more than once in two days, and before he would eat he would lie sometimes on his devotions prostrate on the ground. Burnett, History of the Reformation, Volume 2, page 112. Chapter 1, page 112. All parties in the reign of Henry VIII practiced immersion, and there was slight change in the reign of Edward VI. Twice was the prayer book revised during the period. A form of baptism prescribed in both books was immersion. A slight concession was made in the last prayer book of Edward, possibly to the growing influence of Calvin, but more probably from a dread that children were dying unbaptized and would be lost to the effect that if a child were to be weak, it would suffice to pour water upon him. That's, that is what we call nipto in Greek, not baptism. Mm-hmm. Rontizo is sprinkling, nipto is pouring, and baptism is baptizing, immersion. This was the first time that fine clothes or a desire for worldly show was permitted to enter into the ceremony of baptism, and that came through Calvin. In such instances, pouring was permitted, but it was performed with the greatest hesitation and doubt. Tyndale says, If ought to be left out, or if the child be not altogether dipped in water, or if because the child is sick, this is what we call uh, a, a fusion, something besides dipping. This is a fusion. This is a replacement of dipping. Because the child is sick, the priest dare not plunge him into the water. They thought water was poison, you know. I mean, they didn't take baths or anything like we do today. They, Water was not good for you. I'll go back into an old friend of mine, an old cowboy, lived up on Greenhorn Mountain. Every spring he would take a bath. He'd heat up water and pour it in a, in a big old uh, uh, wash tub, big wash tub that he had. He'd get in there and take his bath. One spring he caught a cold, and he had a cold for two or three months after he took that bath. He said, I'll never take another bath again. It's just not good for you. But pour water upon his head. How tremble they, who quake they, how say ye, Sir John, say they, is a child Christian enough? Had it full Christendom? They believe verily that the child is not Christian. Tyndale works three. Instructions were further given to the archdeacons in 1553. Whether there be any who will not suffer the priest to dip the child three times in the font, being yet strong and able to abide and suffer in the judgment and opinion of discreet and expert persons, but will needs have the child in clothes and only be sprinkled with a few drops of water. Ecclesiastical Rectors, number 87. 
Immersion was insisted upon in all cases where it could be performed. Immersion is baptism. Sprinkling and pouring is a fusion. In a catechismus, that is to say a short instruction to the Christian religion, there is a sermon in baptism. There is a picture of representing a number of adults being baptized by, baptized by immersion. For what greater shame can there be than if a man to profess himself to be a Christian man because he is baptized and yet he knows not what baptism is, nor what strength the same has, nor what the dipping in the water does betoken. For baptism and the dipping into the water does doth betoken that the old Adam, with all of his sins and evil lusts, ought to be drowned and killed by the daily contrition and repentance. Provision was made for baptisms of adults, and only immersion was allowed. Him that believeth in Christ professeth the articles of the Christian faith, and mindeth, I speak now of them that are grown at ripe years, that the minister dippeth in or washes in pure water in the name of etc. In the very year that Edward came to the throne, A.D. 1547, J. Bales wrote a book against the Baptists, a brief and plain declaration about Anabaptists. He had been accused of holding Baptist principles and his book was replied to the charge. He declares that they that be of age as well as infants ought to be baptized in the fountain of regeneration. He thought that grown people ought to be immersed upon the profession of faith. And he says that when be thus speaks of baptism, he is called an Anabaptist. And that word dipping. According to Bales, an Anabaptist is one who immersed those that be of age in a fountain. Bales continues. If he speaks anything concerning the abuse of the ceremonies and sacraments that explanation do they make and how they report him to be a sacramentarian, if ye speak anything of baptism declaring that neither the holiness of the water, neither the oil can give the grace thereupon promise, that the washing in the font availeth not them that observe not the profession they make there how detestable Anabaptists shall be counted. The opinion of the Anabaptists was that they did not believe that water saves but that an adult ought to be dipped in water on his profession of faith and live a holy life after that profession. The opinion of the Baptist on immersion is set forth in the trial of the Dutchman. Item, that no man can make any water holier than God made it. Therefore that water in the font or the holy water in the church is no holier than water in the river. For the water in the river is as holy as the water in the font. If a man be baptized in it, the words of baptism be spoken over him, that any man may baptize in water as well as a priest. Baptism. Baptism is by immersion. Baptism does not save. Baptism, you, buy, you, you baptize because you have believed. 
when the King James Version of the Bible is written in 1611, the Catholic Church believed, and the, and the Church of England both believed that in baptismal regeneration. True baptism is only in dipping. Anything else is a fusion and an excuse for baptism. Our Father, we send this message out for your honor and glory. I hope that you educate and teach your people that with the conviction of heart that they know what they believe and why they believe it. Father, please forgive me where I fail you and use your message wherever it goes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.